Hello and welcome to the Financial Independence UK podcast. Join your hosts, Tom and Alex, as we talk about wealth creation, financial planning and personal development, specifically for the UK. Hello and welcome back to the Financial Independence UK podcast. This is episode seven. Tom, my co-host, is with me. And my name's Alex, for those of you that have forgotten. Uh, And today we're going to have a quick catch up and then we're going to discuss the idea that we've kind of been thinking about over the last month or so, which is the need for optimism through the slog of becoming financially independent. So Tom, say hello and we'll get cracking. Hi, Alex. It's been a while. Uh, Yeah, it's been about a month or a month and a bit since we last recorded something and actually since we last spoke. It has. Yeah, so we've been doing bits and kind of stuff on our own both to make money, to save money, to further educate ourselves as well. So we'll have a quick chat about that and then we'll crack on for, you, uh, for the need for optimism uh, through the slog, which might need a better working title, but uh, that's the one we're going to go with. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So yeah, I know, I've, been, I've been off ill. I was off, off work for two weeks, 10 working days. Um, I had this terrible virus. It was, it was horrible. Uh, it was a fever. In the official terms, pyrexia. Correct. Uh, yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I had loads of aches. There was no sort of respiratory problem, like a nose or a cough or whatever. But I just felt terrible. I didn't get out of bed for like five days. I was thoroughly reaped in sick pay benefits. Well, good stuff. I'm glad to hear you're better. Um, Thank you. And I assume you used your your downtime wisely to uh, either learn some stuff or make some money or save some money. I did. I did. I did quite a bit of match betting and I did a few little referral signups. So I made, I don't know the exact number, but it was, it was over 300 pounds I made in those 10 days, which is pretty good. But yeah, it's not a shabby amount to make from uh, basically laying down. Um, I think if a lot of people could get paid to do that, that would be, be amazing. Yeah. In other news, I've saved myself about 50 quid this morning, changing a part of an exhaust on my partner's car. Um, I watched a YouTube tutorial for it, and then I bought the parts and had a crack at it. It all went together all right, and it hasn't fallen off yet. So, uh, yeah, I've saved a bit of money through that. Um, also, my partner and I have been doing some, guard- like through a guardianship program, we've hosted some, some students from overseas, and over that's over the last two weeks. So we've made just into four figures from doing that. Uh, which that's has been a good, amazing. Yeah, it's been a good amount to make. Um, it is quite a lot of work. But it's, yeah, it's also, it's a fun thing to do. And um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been very useful for us. So, yeah, apart from those things, we've, we've also kind of been thinking about the need to stay optimistic through the, uh, the journey to being financially independent. Uh, that's if you are a regular kind of person working towards being uh, financially independent. It will take a while unless, of course, you inherit your financial independence number or more. Um, it can come to you overnight, but for the majority of us, it's going to come over decades, really. So we think we need to be optimistic throughout or as optimistic as we can be. There is going to be peaks and troughs as with anything. So we've kind of spent a little bit of time thinking about what motivates people to continue through it, how long this optimism will last, why discipline is important as we're going along. Uh, and of course, I'll chuck in some mental health aspects as we go. And we have a bit of an idea of what can help um, kind of keep you optimistic throughout the uh, the journey, really, because it's always going to be a long one. So, yeah, the need for optimism is important. Yeah, I totally agree. I, mean, I think a key sort of distinction to make between motivation and discipline is that 
the motivation comes at the beginning. You know, something might happen, you might have a bad day at work, or you might hear about FI, and you get this sort of like burning sensation, the bit you suddenly think, oh, I've really got to do this. This sounds like my bag. And then two years down the road, you think, oh, I can't be bothered. I'm going to spend time on your car and go on holiday more. Yeah, definitely. I think that certainly happened to me. I did an awful lot of reading over the, over the kind of the two or three days when I first found out about the whole process and the journey. I was filled with waves of, oh, I can do this to save money. I can transfer. I can pay myself first and I can eventually stop working. I can choose to work if I want to. I can make it optional, which is the goal. And I spent quite a lot of time uh, streamlining things in my life. I spent an awful lot of time learning. I still spend an awful lot of time learning about it. But that's that's an initial kind of opti- optimistic phase that I'm still fully in. I kind of absorb articles and books and things whenever people recommend them to me. I make notes from them and I always learn something. I try and learn something new each day about kind of this journey to either make it more, make it easier, make it more quickly, or just to kind of enhance my knowledge around it. But that isn't going to last uh, forever. So I think Tom and I are just going to discuss kind of the, the things you you can do to keep you optimistic through the slog when you have like bad days, what keeps you going. And actually it can be quite difficult to go against the majority of what everybody else is doing. So Tom, do you, do you ever wonder about what other people do with their money, why they're not pursuing this kind of thing? And and whether you would be whether you'd think about it if you were the other way around? Yeah, I do quite a lot. I think I think actually it's it's probably easier to be quote unquote normal than it is to sort of think like we do. I think that it's it's quite common to if you have a bad week at work, you go and have some like have some like retail therapy or you go and buy yourself some food or something. And and I think it's very normal to to indulge in these sort of things. Whereas to have a, a long term end goal of I want to say this amount of money, like five hundred thousand pounds or whatever. It, it's such like an insurmountable figure that it's it's going to at least help you in these in these times of sort of wavering. It's going to help you stay focused, stay on track, and think like I I, I can buy these things if I want to, but I choose not to because I want to contribute to this this larger goal. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. A lot of people do use retail and shopping. Um, as a way of coping perhaps with a difficult work li- working life. A good example of it is I've, I've worked re- really hard this month. I've got some spare disposable income. What can I do to treat myself because I've worked so hard? And in a way, that really keeps you on the hamster wheel because you've spent that money. You then have to go back and earn more money to meet your monthly outgoings, whatever they may be. And I think that's, that's quite a dangerous kind of cycle to be in um and debt can all too easily creep in with it as can your lifestyle which we've covered before and i think that being intentional with your choices and thinking way way into the future about if i don't spend this 50 pounds on going out to eat dinner or something um what could i do with it to help grow it you're not going to get the rewards from that for a long long time which the delayed gratification is something that's that's diff- very difficult to learn um because humans as as kind of well as human beings for want of a better term um instant gratification is obviously really rewarding for us um and you get kind of the dopamine hits when you do you buy things quickly and you expect everything quickly um so it can be it can be a hard thing to kind of master yes i totally agree i think with how product marketing works and advertising i think we're almost hardwired now to 
to want to buy things to appease parts of our brain. Yeah, it might be like a new phone or a new car or new clothes, whatever. But yeah, it, it, it is really difficult. And I think this touches on the, the lifestyle inflation points that we've raised before. That um, It's just, it's really hard to not spend your money. Every, everyone you meet, everything you see is trying to take your money from you. And it's really hard not to keep giving it away. Yeah, agreed. And I think when you also think about the way we invest our money, I've recently heard it explained as the J curve of investing. So if you yeah. think about the letter J, flip it upside down and you keep the, if you imagine it on a graph, you, you invest all your money and then you get to the curve of the J when your money ramps up really quickly. Like the last five years to kind of hitting that number will be the years that you see the most growth and you really reap the benefits of all of your hard work for the previous kind of 20 years or so. But that's very much looking way into the future. Um, and that result you'll get, you'll get way, way into the future. So you need a good balance of life. Um, and you need to kind of, you can't, you can't work so much that you just burn yourself out, but then you do need kind of steady dripping investments in. So we've had a quick think about it and I've kind of come up with the idea of if you just have one income stream, you're just one job, one form of making money. I think that will probably lead to you being burnt out more quickly. So that's precisely why I've, I'm aiming to have at least two or three forms of kind of income. Firstly, I, I kind of do nursing, like psychiatric nursing is my main method of earning money. I'm about to embark on tree surgery kind of uh, courses, so I can use that to make money as well. And we've discussed in the past the other kind of side hustles or other projects we have for making money. So I'm going to use all of those combined to be able to keep my mind fresh on things. So if I do find something's particularly stressful, I can jump out of one thing and, and I can work at a different, a different thing to keep the money rolling in, but to have a good balance of life so I don't get burned out. Yeah, I completely agree with this. I think having one career your entire life is is almost as risky as investing in one stock you know it's i think if if you if you keep your skills too narrow then, then yeah you can be in danger of either sort of being in a situation where the workplace no longer needs your skills or being in a situation where you don't want to go on and, and sort of carry on working in that sort of environment so but yeah i i totally agree and if you're lucky enough to find something which you enjoy doing and someone's willing to pay you for then you have this amazing situation where Work. Yeah, definitely. And I think I like the way you've, you've linked it back to investing in a single stock. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of people say who are kind of the millennial age, which kind of Tom and I are, that they'll just work until they die uh, to be able to afford their lifestyle. But if you think about it, if you are doing a particular job that requires longevity and you have two applicants for a job, one of them 65, one of them's 25, who's going to stop work more more quickly uh, it's going to be the older person so that's something i think you need to take into account which is where if you have more than one kind of income you kind of spread your or diversify your your ability to earn money so it's basically our investing ethos turned into kind of employment ethos as well which which i think can help provide kind of that longevity in your plan it can help kind of manage bumps in the road uh, along the way if you if you have more than one kind of income and it can also help, particularly when you feel a bit isolated, because this is a, it's a difficult path to follow. It makes sense to people who have learned about it, but it, you, you will often feel like you're going against societal norms. 
So having more than one kind of vocation, more than one group of peers or colleagues that you work with, yeah, it can really help with kind of the socialising things that all humans need to, to live a balanced life. Yeah, it's just, it's like a form of diversification, but in, in all other aspects of life. Uh, I, I like that idea of having different groups of friends even, you know, because there's, they may sort of venture off and want to do different things and later on in life you don't want to do what they do or you want to do something else. You know, yeah, I think it, it's a really important message to keep. I think uh, touched on some sort of mental health aspects there where it can help you having another income stream or having a hobby or something can help you sort of stay the course in this in this journey, which will take several decades. Yeah, I think you can if you do have like more than one vacation and you feel you feel like you can't do a single one for that long, you can always jump to another one. I always imagine it like train tracks. Um, you're not just going to stay on one train for like forever and ever. Um, it's quite nice to get off one thing, get on a new train or get on, do with a new job um, or a new method of earning money, whatever that may be. It just kind of keeps things fresh. It keeps the, the, the optimism going because it's not just one kind of drudgering process towards a finish line that can seem really, really distant. It's, it's lifetimes away for some people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I also like the uh, the idea of kind of having more more kind of social aspects to it. So, the more kind of people you know, people always say that you become part of who you, your friendship group or the people you you uh, kind of who frequent your life. If those type of people are all being burnt out by by the career that you share, um, you're more likely to kind of I think throw the towel and be like, oh, it's too difficult. It's easier to kind of spend money. Uh, but I think by the time you get to that point, you'll have a really good kind of nest egg sitting there, uh, and the temptation to kind of blow it on a Lamborghini or something uh, <laughs> might be might be pretty potent. So um, I have heard of a couple of people who have retired, and they were called uh, Lamborghini retirement people or something. There's a term for it that I forget, but they're basically people who take their 25% drawdown, buy a ridiculously expensive car. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, and kind of just drive that around as like, oh, this is why I work so hard, so I can now drive my £200,000 car to Tesco or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, whereas I'd obviously had cars for getting from A to B. But I, I do hope that my pension lump sum is uh, enough to buy a lump again. You know? That would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that, that can be another goal we add uh, along the way. Um, <laughs> but I think that's, it's, it's something you perhaps need something like that to keep you going. Because it's the magnitude of this task is is huge. It seems like you said earlier, Tom, everything's stacked against you to take money from you rather than keep yeah. money. So if you combine those two together, you're going to need something to keep you kind of focused and motivated towards to, towards kind of the end of the goal. Really, um, I think as the money and the wealth increases, as would the temptation. So yeah, I think you're going to need some kind of strategy when you get to the end of it before you start kind of bringing the money back out of your investments as opposed to just accumulating it there. That's a really good point. And, and I think another thing to add is that if at any point on this journey you think, oh, I don't want to become financially independent anymore, I, you know, I don't want to leave the workplace at 45 years old, then at least when you make that decision, you'll have 200 grand in your bank account. So if you do want to make an expensive decision, you, you know that you can afford it and you have the assets to do that. Yeah, you do it without credit or a loan. And it's, yeah. I'd much rather have the choice um, when I get to kind of my mid-40s. Um, it would give you the choice. It gives you the flexibility and the breathing room 
to actually chew. If you want to retrain in something, you can. You don't have to go and work for a boss who's they only care about profit margins and whatever their bottom line is, and they're asking you to do overtime at whatever you know, whatever time of day or night it is. Um, you can actually be like, well, I don't need this. This isn't good for my mental, physical, emotional health. So um, actually, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, and I think it gives you this freedom before you kind of make work optional for yourself. It gives you the freedom to speak your mind, to make decisions that actually other people who are trapped in this cycle of kind of spending and working and earning, um, it gives you that ability to to make choices that that they could only dream of because you have that that money sitting there. Yeah, it gives you it gives you loads of options. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's it's only going to add ammunition to yourself. Mm, yeah, definitely. And I think there's something that I stumbled across the other day, which is about like a solution as to what can help you kind of retain your optimism. You can read read it back and think actually, this is why I'm doing it. Um, this is my plan. This is why I began this path. Um, and it's simply. A, a paragraph, a couple of paragraphs written by you. I dated mine and I signed it weirdly. Um, but it just reminds me of why I'm on the path, the decisions I've taken to implement kind of the changes in my life. And it just states in simple, plain English why I'm doing it, what I'm going to get from it, and why I currently feel like it's really important. And I think that can also help if, say, you have a large, a large proportion of your wealth is, is, is invested in the stock market and we experience another crash a lot of people get kind of twitchy at that point when actually that's the time to buy because you get more for your money a lot of people get twitchy and they sell so it can it can help to read back on this this one page or a couple of paragraph kind of plan that you've written it can help you kind of stick through it when it actually gets really emotional and it gets really difficult to kind of hold your nerve so it's kind of useful for both both of those things keeping the optimism and holding your nerve when times get tricky We've done one better than that. We've immortalised ourselves on the internet and recorded ourselves saying that we want to do these things and leave our jobs. That, that is true. So if we, <laughs> if we ever quit halfway through, um, whoever is listening to this can be like, well, Tom, you said you'd do this. <laughs> so we'll be literally accountable to not just meet each other, but to other people as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, perhaps, yeah, we can use that. Or we, we could even listen back to this and be like, Tom, remember in 2020, you said this. And now we're in 2040 and we're like, well, that Lamborghini looks good, but I'll play this back to you. Yeah. And, well, uh, I can't believe I never wanted to buy a Lambo. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it could be, yeah, it could be useful both ways, couldn't it really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think like it was something I used to do when I was younger. I used to have, it wasn't a, a diary per se, but it was somewhere that I documented my thoughts because I just felt it was helpful. I don't really need to do it now. I feel like my my sort of direction in life is kind of firmer implanted in my psyche. But I, I, I do believe it's important to, to understand what it is you want, why it is you want it. And if that means you need to write it down, write it on a, on a whiteboard in your room to remind yourself what you're going to do that day, then, then do it if, if that's going to help you. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of lists. I couldn't cope without a list anyway. Um, I write oh, loads gotcha. of things down or I'd literally forget so yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I would just say don't write your financial plan on a whiteboard. It's very easy to remove and cross something out and write Lamborghini. Uh, put it in ink somewhere that you can't get rid of. Um, although if you do live at home with your parents, probably don't paint it on your wall. They might be mad at you. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like the idea of having a plan, but something that you can read back. Um, if you're in it together with your partner, 
husband, wife, spouse, whatever, get them to kind of help you with it. You can, you can discuss things together. You can both kind of put your names to it and it can help kind of with the optimism when things get tricky as well. Those can be useful in our current kind of generation, the current climate we're living in. Um, it's just, everything is instant. Things arrive instantly. Things from Amazon take a day. Uh, again, other online shopping places are available. Um, but we expect things really quickly and the generations are now being brought up to expect things are literally a tap or a swipe away. Whereas actually we're waiting an awful long time, um, for, to, to get results from it. Um, and a lot of people, I think will probably won't be that patient or they'll be afraid of the magnitude of the task, think it's impossible. But then if everybody thought the same as us, um, it would just be life and we wouldn't be retiring early. We'd be retiring whenever, whenever the, the national average would be. And there probably wouldn't be any shops to buy things from. Yeah, no, there would just be drones dropping parcels at doors. Um, <laughs> and people frisbeeing pizza out of mopeds or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no, I think we've covered things. If any, any of you listening have any thoughts or comments, drop them below. Uh, we will find our email address out at some point and drop it below each episode. <laughs> so yeah, for now, leave us a comment and we'll pick it up. Um, and we can kind of include it in a future show. The only other thing I'd like to mention is an update on my robot Hoover. Uh, it is brilliant. I love it. Um, literally the best money I've ever spent like this year. Um, <laughs> I don't regret buying him at all. I've called him Eddie, um, and he works far harder than I do at cleaning floors. Um, and I think we're currently we're down to about five pounds per use um, instead of the old hundred and thirty-five pounds per use when he'd only run once. So yeah, he's, he's amazing. Uh, he'll continue to clean my floors so I don't have to, so I can uh, read books, listen to articles, and talk to Tom about financial independence. Excellent. And if you keep him for two years, that might get down to like 10p per use. Well, I'm, is... hope, I'm hoping one day we're into like pence, pence yeah. per use, or fractions of pennies per use. Yeah, I mean, that's um, more than worth it. I, I think so. So yeah, he's he's been a, a star kind of currently in our life. Um, we're just careful not to waste the new time we have. Thanks for listening to the Financial Independence UK podcast. We hope you found it useful. If you have any questions or ideas for us, feel free to email at fi.ukpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time.